Nice. That was a strong clap. That was I, used to, I used to do it every single day. I've been at front so far. Yeah, so like, you're used to the clap. I used to clap I've for England. I've been useless. Yeah. <laughs> been absolutely yeah. useless. I used to clap for England. Yeah. The Olympic clapper. <laughs> yeah. This is me on the road. The best podcast you'll know. It's so good to actually finally have you here on the bus. I want to today tackle stuff that not many people ever ask you. Okay. And I want you to also be in a comfort zone of like giving the information that you do on every talk that you have to because you're great at that and I feel like we can we can give some good stuff to the listeners and viewers here. But I want to I want to first find out like where it where it all began with music. Okay. So I'm a bass player. Mm-hmm. So as most bass players started um, it was my mate in school and a girl. Uh, so my mate basically said to my mate played guitar he was like he basically played in assemblies in school and I was, I was like okay. so cool and I went with him when his parents bought him this electric guitar and it's just like he'd always played acoustic guitar classical kind of as kids do and when he picked up this guitar I remember being like that's the coolest thing ever. he was like the coolest guy he in was, school yeah and he was like oh man if you played guitar we could do a band and I was like oh, I never even thought of that and then he went but you can't play guitar because that's kind of my gig yeah. so I was like ah oh. and he was like but if you played bass we could do a band and I was like, yeah. In? And then I was like, I have no idea what that is, like, at all. But I just went home and I said to my, my mum, I was like, for my birthday, can I have a bass for my birthday? Mm-hmm. And my dad tried to convince me to be a guitarist instead of a bass player. He was like, no, no, like, who wants to be a bass player? Everyone wants to be a guitarist. And I was like, no, but I won't be allowed to be in a band if I'm a guitarist. And this kind of went on for a while. And I remember, um, I remember my dad's friend coming in with this, like, like 1960s Gibson black Les Paul of course it meant nothing to me whatsoever at the time yeah and it, like it was this beautiful guitar which was worth thousands and I remember looking at it and being like but is it a bass and he was like no mm-hmm. it's a guitar my dad obviously trying to push me towards like guitar rather than bass guitar yeah just be, don't be a bass player <laughs> I was just like no but I have to be in a bass I want to be in a band the good thing about being a bass player is you can literally you can buy a bass on a Monday and you can join a band on a Tuesday because there's no bass players in the world yeah and, that's so true actually yeah and like, yeah. you're not going to join a funk band but you can you know you can start playing U2 songs like literally that day yeah, as yeah. long as you can count to four and you have a bass yeah and then you move your finger from here in, to here yeah, and you're pretty you're much so there in. that's it uh, and I did I, I just as soon as I got it it was the first thing I did loads of things when I was a kid as, as all kids do just really an active kid it was the first thing that as soon as, as, soon as I got it then that was the th- I just latched onto it and I just wanted to do that all day every day that was the thing and then when I was 15 um, did you make it into the band? Yeah. You did make well, it into the band? And okay. I had to sing as well. That was the thing. Oh, right. Like, You're going to have to Strange sing as the well. Defend, yeah. But at the time, I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. And we had a drum and we did a, we did a gig at school. We did our first concert at school. Yeah. Um, or was it like a Christmas It was just, I just went to the headmaster of school show. and I just said, can we do a concert? And he said yes. And he just went, look, I remember him saying, no devil's music. Okay. <laughs> and I was like... So I mean, any rock music yeah, was a no, yeah. but that's what you knew. Anyway. Well, we did Bon Jovi, yeah. uh, you know that sort of stuff. We did Bon Jovi, we did Free. We just did stuff that we could like play. Um, but then when I was fifteen, I pretended I was eighteen to get into a band. Okay. Um, and the, 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 the guitarist of the band, they were so desperate for a bass player, they just thought, they just went fine. My mum used to have to drop me off to rehearsal. <laughs> uh, but the guitarist spent every night coming to my house, basically just teaching me how to play. Because they were so desperate, they were like, "Look, let's just let's just yeah, get this." Put the time in. into you. Yeah, they get a bass player. Play. Win win. Uh, you know, and then I just I just from that point it was just playing and then playing and playing every single day. And because I was 
I was generally rubbish at pretty much everything. So bass playing was just a way I could just put all of my time and effort into doing something that I just genuinely loved. So that was your end. So you weren't you went specific about like what you wanted to do in the in the music scene or whatever. You just wanted to be involved in yeah, some way. Yeah, and I, I still and that was the obvious thing. Yeah, because I still I still get messages every day from people who who the the, the issues that they have stem from the, the the pressures they've put on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's you know, there's so much you know, being a creative, there's so much pressure on taking over the world and selling millions of records. And I think back and think, well, the, the best time I ever had as as a musician mm-hmm. was when there was no pressure, because it was like four or five mates turning up to a rehearsal room and just making a racket and yeah. and, and writing songs and just having fun. Mm-hmm. And, then you, and then when you get a gig, it was like we got a gig. Yeah, you know, yeah. it wasn't this. It was like, almost like the naivety yeah. stage was you didn't the best go, stage. Oh, and how much are we going to get paid? Yeah. You'd be like, who cares? Yeah, you were just like, we're going to be the biggest band yeah. in Brighton or wherever you were. And it was amazing. Yeah, it was in Swansea as well. Swansea. So, it was like, so yeah. that's where you got. That's where you grew, grew up, up in Swansea. Swansea. Yeah, and it was like a graveyard of of ambition where there wasn't much happening in Swansea, but the but this quality of musicianship was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everywhere I'd go after that, sort of playing and touring and stuff, I always just thought, how are people so good? It's just because they wouldn't leave. <laughs> and there was nothing for them to do, so they just yeah. got better and better. Yeah, and just better. did it all day, every day, all day every smashing day. it. Yeah. So for people that don't know you, let's just jump forward to, yeah. to being in Brighton now. What was the transition, first of all, to coming to Brighton, mm. and then to get into the stage where you are now? Because you, you still perform, right? You still play, but... Up until very recently. I mean, yeah. last year I did 135 gigs. Yeah. You know, which which nearly killed me. And they were events all over the country, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. So what's the what? Because you're not performing in the same way now, and you you just said that you're like you're up until recently mm. you don't perform. So what's what's made that transition into where you are now? What's changed in like the industry or in you that's made you not necessarily focus on the performing in the same way? I think it's just, I mean, when I came to Brighton, all I wanted to do, I was it was a very similar thing. I never I was never classing myself as a business person or a businessman. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to hang out with musicians. I still think that's kind of just the key to my whole life. It's just yeah, yeah. as long as I'm hanging out with cool people, I'm enjoying myself. That's the lock to yeah, that was, everything that was you the do. bit. Um, and so when I came to Brighton, it's because we built a myself and my business partner, my friend of mine, we built a school in Guildford called mm-hmm. ACM, um, but we didn't own it. So we'd help build it. Mm-hmm. And it got really, really big, but we didn't have any say in it. And we just thought, why not do our own school? Mm-hmm. And we looked around at a bunch of places. Brighton was just so cool. We came to Brighton and we decided we were going to build this school. And the idea was to have it really, really small. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, which was, you know, it was an amazing journey. And um, at the end, when I, before I, I sort of left, um, the bit I always loved was this bit. Sitting down and just talking to musicians, chatting about what they wanted to do or how they could do it and the strategizing. But I couldn't do any of that because I was dealing with accountants or financial mm-hmm. controllers mm-hmm. and stuff. And it was like proper... Business and yeah. to dressing suits yeah, and stuff, yeah. and it was like I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and and so now, every day I basically get to hang around with musicians. And the thing with touring is, it, it's one of those things that if you're good at it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it takes over your life. And it's very mm-hmm. difficult to say no because as soon as you do, everything starts to diminish. Yeah. So as soon as a gig comes in and someone says, "Oh, you're amazing. Do you want to do this?" and you say yes, and then that grows and it grows and it grows. As soon as you start being picky and saying, "I don't fancy that. I don't feel like doing this," all of a sudden, I found my career would just start constantineering upwards and downwards. So, I, and I got to a point last year where I've got two businesses in Brighton. The, the band I was playing with got 135 gigs 
I was literally three or four days a week getting in at three or four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and there's only a certain amount of time you can Something's got to give, yeah. and I was thinking, you know, I'm not 20 anymore, mm-hmm. something's got to give, and that was the thing I chose. And running but businesses this, whilst getting in at three in the morning is so not the one to Yeah, do. and I've got a really good team, and they're amazing, but at the same time, I'm still needed to be there for certain decisions. Mine's still on it, right? So, yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing as well, is, you know, you, you get in at five o'clock in the morning, and someone would be, you'd still be needed at nine, so mm. you can push it back till half nine, ten o'clock, but, mm. you know, three hours sleep, you're making bad decisions. And, and that's the thing, and I mean, I always look at performing especially events and things like that is it seems like good money mm. when you when you get it that moment in time you get the money great money but then as soon as you stop that's it yeah so as soon as that money's gone you're like okay what do I do now because you don't really get a career at the end of like doing events unless you're really lucky and somebody finds you and they're like you would then find yourself playing for an original artist yeah. or someone like that but that's so rare because those kind of people aren't in Weddings or do functions. Know, or do you know what's really amazing as well is <clears throat> people have this thing about you get like covers gigs or you know, functions gigs, you get originals bands gigs which might play sort of certain levels, mm-hmm. then you get you get um, bands that will play um, massive big arenas and stadiums. And but the the reality of what a musician is is so up and down at all times mm-hmm. that you know I've got this story where when I was. 1920 I played uh, Hyde Park and it was at the time it was the biggest gig that this country had ever put on mm-hmm. it was 150,000 people and I was standing on stage and who was this for sorry who were you playing so it was basically this thing called Monsters of Rock and we did it so it was Alanis Morissette it was me it was Taylor Hawkins on drums so it was pretty cool yeah uh, standing on stage and um, Dave Gilmore was literally five foot this way playing guitar and Eric Clapton like five foot this way playing guitar um, Pete Townsend was standing at the side we were playing pinball wizard with a spot Pete Townsend was watching I was like this is like ridiculous and Gary Glitter was there <laughs> maybe less I'd <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that one <laughs> uh, but it was just like all of these people like you know just loads ah, Roger Daltrey was there like just all of these massive massive artists and we were doing this gig and I was like this is like the greatest moment of my life mm. we, we played um, Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton I remember standing there thinking this is like the greatest moment of my life yeah. three days later literally fast forward three days later I'm playing to a social club and there's about six people all over the age of around 80 yeah. and they all sat there and I'm thinking to myself I'm looking out thinking three days ago I was literally playing the yeah. biggest gig this country ever it's had so true. and I was looking out I was just thinking can my, get, my, can my life get any worse <laughs> than it is right now and as I thought it this really old lady just kind of leant in to, and I thought oh here's a request and she went can you turn it down the bingo's on oh and no I like, oh, yeah, my, oh, it can go worse yeah, it can go yeah. Worse. And that's, but that is the life of a musician you know one day you're playing some some you know, some arena because something's happened and you've got on a really great tour. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's not many people that can sustain that level for sure. For, you know, for a long, long time. Even like you know, Sandy Beals. You know, Sandy um, from One Direction's band. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, five years of playing the biggest stadiums in the whole world with One Direction for five years, not a day off, just literally stadium after stadium after stadium, mm-hmm. and then One Direction go, we're going to break it. You, you, you can't just what do you jump into it's the biggest session gig in the whole world what yeah. do you jump into you, for sure you can't and then it's like well what am I going to do and mm. he's like 25, 26 and we were chatting going well what's next and he was like, at the time he was like I don't know no idea that's the scary thing it's like it's in and out as quick as that and and I just find that is so common in like performing like there's so many people so I was really lucky to support Lionel Richie not long ago I love Lionel and the next the next Saturday I was playing all night long at a wedding <laughs> And I'm like, 
Yeah, and then luckily it was my last wedding. So, like I say, luckily, like if I didn't do weddings, and I'm sure you agree with this, if I didn't do events, didn't do weddings, there's so much I wouldn't know about music mm. and and the industry and performing and um, just how to actually do sort of the business side of it a bit more, yeah. a bit more like the more formal side of things. Um, so I wouldn't, without all that, I wouldn't be stood there performing for Lionel Richie. So I'm grateful for it, and I think everybody should do it. You always say this, right? Yeah. That everybody should do the the the, the performing side, but. You've got to have a backup in some way yeah. to like whatever's next. Because if you have, I don't know, you have kids, you get a family, or uh, you know, you can't be out Thursday, Friday, Saturday no, till absolutely. three a.m. It's very tough. It would be hard. You yeah. can do it, but it would be really, really yeah. tough. And most of the musicians I meet, um, the the guy who was on the Lionel Richie gig on bass, plays for a guy called Jack Savaretti, mm. and um, he does functions and he's doing world tours yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And it's like, where do you find your balance? I think you've got a great balance of that because you manage to do the business side. And you know you've taken one or the other now, and it's like I feel like you've gone the better direction because you've done it, you've been and done that, you've got to gain the musicianship skills. I, but yeah, if it all went wrong tomorrow, the first thing I do is go back to doing the same thing. You know, right, and I think yeah, because you know, having done two thousand gigs, mm. and some of them being massive, and some of them being tiny, and some of them being brilliant, and some of them being disastrous, and most of them being groundhog day. But at the same point, I think people people look down their nose at certain types of gigs. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think any if you're a guitarist, a bass player. If you are standing on stage and just thinking, this is how I make my living, you are privileged. Mm. It doesn't matter whether you are playing someone's wedding or you are playing on Wembley Stadium. And yes, we all want to play Wembley Stadium, mm -hmm. but there's only one Wembley Stadium in this country. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like you can do Wembley Stadium five times a week. For sure. So, and the, there are a tiny, tiny, minuscule amount of musicians you know, that over a small period of time can sustain that. Mm -hmm. But always comes to an end, you know. Mm -hmm. Unless you are the Foo Fighters or U2 or Muse, other than those people, on the whole, there's always going to be the ups and the downs. For and, sure. and for me, I'm just, you know, if I can, if I can, every time I've got a guitar in my hand and I'm playing, I just see it as I'm privileged, and I never look at it as, you know, as this is this is something I don't want to do because mm. because I have been in that situation and at the moment I just thought I don't want to do this anymore I mm -hmm. just went oh, I'll, do, I'll do something else yeah. because you can do anything and life's too short man I yeah. know it sounds like such a cliche thing to say but so many people get stuck in a job for yeah. so long and then they get out of it ten years later and they go why didn't I get out of this yeah. like earlier and I think if you just follow whatever feels right at that moment Absolutely. it's the better way and that seems like what you've done and it's paid off it's um, fun. And, yeah, you, and, and you, you still have the chance to perform as well when you want to you've mm. got that kind of control yeah and now it's more nerve wracking because now when I like Ella and I did um, a gig last weekend um, which was like a country, country music festival um, up in Stockport mm -hmm. which was great but all of a sudden I'm playing someone else's song so I'm not doing the same things yeah. that I'm getting yeah, yeah. but then all of a sudden it's exciting because I'm not just doing the same thing over, and it's back to being a proper musician because yeah. it's like now I have to go and do rehearsals and I have to sure. meet new musicians and mm -hmm. I have to try and figure out what the drummer's going to do mm. so, there's know. a lot that goes behind it it's yeah. not just turning up and, and, and playing exciting. yeah for sure so where do you stand in terms of um, I always have this fighting battle right I see um, performing and how good you are as being like a financial situation so you have money and then you make friends that have more money and you want to be there and it's never ending yeah. and I think it's the same with like learning a skill of like playing so for me with keys I kept getting myself down quite a lot because I would I would go out to a gig and see someone that was the next level of keys playing it's like okay I need to be like that but then I couldn't find the time to fit in right, yeah. practicing and it was like a circle so I found this like really nice place where I know what I'm capable of and I'll always like push myself in, in, internally, but there will always be the next, you know, Quincy Jones or whatever out yeah. there, uh, Herbie Hancock, that's going to be 
a level that I realistically won't ever get to. Not because I can't get to that, but because I'm not that interested to get that far. So where do you stand in terms of how far you take that? Like, are you at a comfortable level with your performing that you're not fussed in sitting down and practicing for hours and hours and hours? Yeah, and I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't play. I very, very rarely play anymore because I don't really class myself as someone who's going to go out and do performing. Mm -hmm. My days are so crazy. But I do class myself as a creative. So now I'm noticing all the same things that you just said, but instead of in my bass playing, mm. I'm seeing it in <coughs> my creating of of the videos that we make yep. or trying to actually order the book or anything that I can do to say this is my new thing. And it's exactly the same as when I was a bass player and mm -hmm. I wanted to be the best bass player in the, in, in the whole world. Mm -hmm. And I'd sit and I'd practice and I'd practice and I'd practice. And I'm a big believer in learning. So whenever I was, you know, whenever I was had a bass in my hand, it wouldn't just be practicing. I, I'd want to know what I was practicing, why I was practicing and analyzing okay. it. Um, but I think it's always about having that goal. Mm -hmm. So whether the goal is I want to play as good as someone mm -hmm. or whether it's I want to go and play certain types of gigs because the other thing as well is how f the, o the opposite problem you have mm -hmm. where you're like, you see a certain keyboard player you'll see Snarky Puppy or something and you're yeah. like oh my, how am I going to get to that level yeah. but then what's even worse is when you know you turn on a TV and you see a band and the keyboard player is someone who owns a keyboard and yeah. you're like how did yeah, you get yeah, that yeah, gig yeah, yeah. I'm so much better than you so it, everything's everything's relative and it all depends on what it is that you're trying to work mm -hmm. on you know I think the biggest thing God, this is horrible, but the biggest thing for me is life isn't fair. Yeah, so as long fair. as you know that... And as long as you get to that as soon as possible, yeah. to that realisation that yeah. life's not fair. Because life isn't fair. And so, you know, I just learned to appreciate, you know, as, a, as a, a bass player, I feel that, you know, I'm very competent in my ability. Then I see certain, you know, especially nowadays with Instagram and certain things where you see mm. bass players from different countries. and yeah, yeah. They've always been there, but when you were growing up, you didn't see them because, you you know, how many people who are watching this are like the best drummer in their village or the best guitarist in their town or mm -hmm. the, the, the top few percentage in their city? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden Instagram throws up the best people in the entire world mm. and you're like, wow, these, you know, they've always been there, but now they're just right on show. Um, so I think it all depends on what you want, but for me it was always more about what can I go and do with bass playing and hanging out with my mates and playing and enjoying it rather than just trying to get to another level. To a, yeah, to that next bit. Yeah. So where's so now you, you do a lot of social media stuff now. Mm. Where do you think social media stands with, with what you're saying? So you know a lot of what you were saying was about networking and somebody that owns a piano has got an amazing gig. They're, net, they're obviously great at networking. They're obviously great at meeting people that can get them to that next level, which I think is a massive thing because I think so many people will sit in their bedrooms and learn to play yeah. for so long and then they can't get the gigs and they'll be like, okay, why can't I get to this level? Why can't I get to that level? And I think a lot of, pe a lot of people stay behind closed doors mm -hmm. and then um, I think when they take it onto the road, it kind of, it kind of keeps knocking them down. So these people that like jump straight into a gig, mm -hmm. I'm losing stuff here, <laughs> These people that jump straight into a gig, how do you see social media fitting into that? To, so people don't have to focus as much on their performing and they can maybe get to a certain level, then put into their social media or, or networking in yeah, some other way? We're in, a, we're, we're in a time, especially this last three months, I think we've just hit, we've turned a corner in social media and something's happened and really highlighted something that we've never had before, which mm. is social media keeps bringing out new new bits of platform or it's got sort of new Instagram brings out IGTV and then YouTube brings out YouTube music every day there's something new that's coming out and everyone feels like they need to be on everything mm -hmm. 
and that's the bit that slows you down. Mm -hmm. And then everyone goes and watches Gary Vaynerchuk or those sorts of people, and it's like, you need to be on everything. And Gary Vaynerchuk's got about 18 people that follow him around yeah. doing all this sort of stuff. It's yeah, like, yeah. we're Not musicians, we're like creatives, that. we can't. I, I, you know, I have Morgan and, and we make stuff, but you know, if I could have another five people, I could do more. Mm. And we've, got, we've just hit this cusp, which is really hard, where people are now trying to do so much stuff on social media, it's really affecting... The, the creative side the art that they're doing and also therefore their personal kind of psyche of, of how they can actually get the stuff out there it's too daunting it's too much to do and I think we need to say yes you've got Instagram yes you've got YouTube yes you've got Facebook yes you've got a million other options you don't need all the options if you want to get from A to B and you've got a motorbike and a car and a helicopter and a plane that's fantastic mm -hmm. but just pick one and let's go with and it, go for it yeah. because at the moment people are just panicking about trying to do Every, everything all of the time mm. and it's going to affect themselves because then you know all of a sudden they're kind of they, they haven't got the time to, to put into their art and then you know most musicians have the perfectionism thing where they just go it's not, it's not good enough to put out mm. then they've got to try and put it on five different platforms well we literally so. had this yesterday we were doing a session with uh, Morgan your video guy and we were talking so much about like hitting the level of perfection so I think you, you work on a track to like this sort of level yeah. and that's the level that everybody notices. That's like anything above that is your perfection and it's only really for you. Yeah. And I think that bit takes so much longer than this bit. Yeah. And, and by the time you've got to here, you could have got three more songs recorded. And people, I think this is something that social media has um, like implanted in us, that everything's got to be perfect. So where do you stand in terms of like personally... What do you think we need to change about social media? Well, the, because you've got that kind of um, quality versus quantity thing, mm -hmm. and everyone's different, because mm -hmm. everyone's skill set's different, everyone's bank balance is different, everyone's time is different, mm -hmm. how people perceive quality is different. So it's very, very different to answer that question. But it is, you know, sadly it is both. You know, you can make the greatest thing in the world, but then if you don't have the momentum to follow it up, then you lose out. At the same point, you can make videos three times a day, but if they're rubbish, no one's going to no want to watch it. So on, yeah. there is that balance of where's the sweet spot, and everyone's got a different yeah. sweet spot. Um, it's finding that point, isn't it? So it, when yeah. you get to that level where anything above it, nobody's really going to notice other than yourself, it's finding where that is. And also, when you're finding it, then you've got to reflect against what, what social media is or where social media is right now. Mm -hmm. Because the algorithm keeps changing, all of a sudden, it gives us a different way of thinking than it did six months ago. So mm -hmm. now, for example, that you, you can get away with making higher quality content in less less often you mm -hmm. can you can get away with that now more so than you could six months ago mm -hmm. because the algorithm if you make something better will push it harder yeah but then what you can't do is you can't use that as an excuse to say well in that case it's got to be perfect and i'm going to really make it really really good so it's a really tough one it's a really fine line but for me i think we can the the, the area for me is to find the social media that works. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing lots of bits on social media because I feel like I'm in social media and therefore a big part of this is me learning about social media. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't, if I was a musician using social media, I wouldn't be doing all of the things that I'm doing now. I wouldn't be doing Instagram, IGTV, Facebook, Facebook Live, Instagram mm -hmm. Live, YouTube, Snapchat, blogs, YouTube Medium, Live, Twitter. Well. Like, there's yeah. just so many things and I'd be like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'd say this is something. Yeah. And just, just stay in there. So flipping it around then, as a user, yeah. how, do you, how do you deal with... Because you post so much stuff, and I know you've got a team of some people that help you with that. What do you, what do you actually use every day? Well, the frustrating thing is, is no matter where you get to, it's not enough. 
like, yeah, like you were sure. saying with yeah, the yeah. music music thing because when you say that I'm like oh that's nice because I feel like we are literally running on half a tank of petrol I feel like we could be doing mm-hmm. twice as much mm-hmm. the thing that hampers me is two businesses I'm building a business I've just yeah. bought a business I've already got a business which which is, is expanding because we've bought a business all of that stuff going on then the book was a real fun thing to do but now I'm like oh now I've got to promote a book mm-hmm. so everything is like you know I'm looking at my website and I'm just thinking the website's out of date I need a new website mm-hmm. then someone just goes well we need to be doing e-marketing and I'm like oh god I didn't think about e-marketing you just see it, it like, just goes on yeah, and on and on endless. so for me I'm in the boat where I'm looking at it going we are not doing, we've got to do more and we're having meetings all the time saying how can I get another video out how can I do another picture? Then my Instagram this week, and I'm like, oh, we only did one picture in six days. It's not enough. You know, and you're constantly spinning these plates. Mm. And so, you know, you might watch YouTube and go, wow, six videos in, in a week. And you might look at Instagram and go, he's gone. Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. Twitter's yeah. gone. So it's yeah. really difficult to stay And people on. only consume on one kind of thing. So Absolutely. like Instagram TV started up. People that are loyal to YouTube are still going to watch you on YouTube. Yeah. They're not going to switch to Instagram right. TV. So you're either trying to create a new market, which, which takes up so much effort and yeah. time, or you stick to, like you say, what you know. And that's why that's why most people's channels don't grow, is because they're spending 10% on their time mm-hmm. on that channel. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine if you were trying to build a new relationship, and the whole time you were like, I'm gonna, we're going to have this relationship, we're going we're gonna to be bros, mm-hmm. totally bros, you've got 20 minutes a day. You'd be like, that's not bros. No, not at all. Whereas if you're just like, no, we're, we're going to spend all day together, yeah. we're going to do this, and we're going to go everywhere we go, we're going to do it together, and we're going to like live in the same house. Like That's a relationship which is going to force faster, and it's going to build and build and build. If I allocate you 20 minutes, then it's going to take us a long, long time to really become close. Mm. It's the same thing with social media. People go, well, I've got to do all of these social media bits and platforms, so I'm going to allocate 10 minutes to Instagram TV and 10 minutes to Twitter, and, and all of a sudden you go, that's fine, but you're treating your audience like that you've given them 10 minutes of the time. So therefore, they're not going to appreciate you the same way as they'll appreciate Casey Neistat, who you mm-hmm. can tell has given them a 10-hour day. Yeah. Because even though you're only seeing a 10-minute video, you can see what he's done for the entire day. So yeah. effectively, yeah, yeah, there's some gaps to fill in, but yeah. you know, you know where he's. So you, he's given you, he's given you the whole day. He's given you his entire day, and so if you just turn a camera on and go, look, I've only got five minutes, and here's me, then you're effectively allocating people five minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's just harder to grow doing mm-hmm. that. Take away the businesses, then. Yeah. What would be your um, what would be your direction if you weren't going business? Do you know, my ideal goal, and this is this is my plan, so my plan is, I, I wrote this book, which when it the first came Hold out... Hold on, we've got the book somewhere. We have this book. book. Yeah, this is the book. Thank you. That's right. Yeah, it's for you. Um, the book was just this this crazy thing that came up. I mean, I, I you know, I failed at school twice. I had to reset my GCSEs and fail them all again. Did you second time as well? Yeah, both times, yeah. Well, I got one GCSE the, the second time, so mm-hmm. I re-sat and got one. <laughs> uh, so at that point, I wasn't going to be a lawyer, but, you know, I never really, you know, wasn't really academic. I think the last book I read was Fantastic Mr. Fox. So this was like a way that I could actually just, you know, I was like, oh, And now you've written a book. Yeah, really. <laughs> and now I want to write a bunch of books. So it's this is the same thing as albums. So mm-hmm. what people do is they always put an EP out, and then they get really frustrated that it hasn't built. Well, I'm not frustrated. Whatever the results are for this because I'm not looking at book number one I'm looking at book number four so I build book number one so that I can get out and I can use this to meet people and network and talk to people and give out the book so that when number two comes along people say oh you're that guy the guy with the book with the offensive front and then then the third book is like oh I've been waiting for this one because I had book number one and book number two and then by the time book number four comes out that's the time where I say 
this is me now. Yeah. This is what I've been working. And know what you're about. And, and, and that's where, where you're heading. Yeah, and that's where bands. That's where bands and businesses should be. They shouldn't be looking at the next six months. They mm. should be saying, no, I'm going to make five of these. Mm. This is this one. I'm mm. going to try and I'm going to try and rinse this. I'm going to try and squeeze the lemon. But then I'm going to do it the second time and the third time and the fourth time. And at that point, that's when I'll stick my head above the parapet and see where I'm at and if mm-hmm. it's worth carrying on. But you know, I'm not going to put a book out and say, oh, fantastic, I outsold. Harry Potter. It's, not, it's just <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. For sure. So, have you sent Have you sent any copies of these to your old teachers? I think they're all dead. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I went to not a very like I went to a Bible school when I was. A oh, kid, did so you? Like, yeah, I went to a grammar like, school as well. They were all like, like they, were, they were all old, <laughs> <laughs> and they all said. So this is something that I really intrigued about when you were at school. When you know when you, everyone sits down and they have this meeting and everybody sits and says uh, and the teachers go okay so what do you want to do for a career yeah. and then you tell them you want to be a musician what happens then when they like what, what was their response to you when you when you well, said I wasn't you wanted a, to be a I musician? wasn't I took a lot less GCSEs than most because I was a disruptive influence at school um, and so I wasn't allowed to take music uh, music was one of the things that my parents oh, one of those sort of bringing your parents in to parent-teacher thing and they just said look let's just get him out of music because it's not helping yeah. we can put time into extra French or something mm-hmm. so I dropped music and I wasn't musical at the time so I didn't really didn't so really this was that. before the lad at yeah. school wanted you in the band yeah so <laughs> I was 15 when I started playing bass on my 15th birthday but you take your GCSEs or you, t- you take your before options yeah. a year before but I find it really interesting because how does it work now because now it's completely feasible to walk into your sort of career advisor's room and say I want to be an influencer mm-hmm. like that is the thing you know you can walk in and say I want to be, I want to be an influencer and I yeah. want to actually build a social media following you know and there's nothing there's, there's no way I mean the, the, the way school is set up it's set up to learn Mm-hmm. So, but it's not set up to learn to be successful. It's just you retain information. Yeah, so every every. I single... think this is what's so wrong about schools. Yeah, because every kid's different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, my brother's really dyslexic, and he he really struggled with some stuff. But he's a super smart kid. Yeah. And and because schools are only tailored in one kind of direction, it just makes school. I if, see it just. What if you're not interested? You know, what happens if yeah. you walk in and someone says, "Oh yeah, today we're going to do biology," and I'm like, "I'm mm, done." don't care well this is it I had teachers that told me all the time you know they said I said oh, I want to be a musician they were, okay. they were like okay that's cool so what are you going to do to like pay your bills what are you yeah, gonna... yeah. I mean it's the classic what's your story real what's your real job <laughs> and you know my dad still says it's to take the mick out of me whatever but but yeah he he knows that I've you know put in and whatever and you kind of, I kind of want the teachers to know that you know I made a career now I'm sat we're sat in a bus here yeah. doing podcasts like traveling in the world making cool cool stuff so what what took you through school and beyond it to still feel like you could do something really cool, change, like just make an impact? A mentor. I met someone. Okay. So effectively, I, di- I just went through school. I f- you know, I just felt like I just needed to get through school. Mm-hmm. Failed my GCSEs. My mum sent me back to the, all, all my friends went off to college. I had to reset the year. Failed them all again. At that point, you know, I had an affinity with, with bass playing and wanting to do that. Loved it. But it was only when I met Bruce, who's my old business partner, yeah. that... I just recognised in his brain he had so much experience. Mm-hmm. And the thing with young musicians is they'll think they know everything, <laughs> as did I. And it took him to, to basically sit... It wasn't like a sit-down conversation. It was over a period of... Like, I worked with him for 15 years. But mm-hmm. sit, you know, just sitting down, and every time he'd talk, I'd go, oh, I never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do that now without a, a personal mentor because of YouTube. There are so many people mm-hmm. out there that, that speak sense. And... You know, are wise, as it were, in, mm. in their field. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gary Vee's someone that we Gary both seem great. to Yeah, to Gary Vee's brilliant. To. You know, and there's other people that I used to hate, and now I love them. You know, but there's just and there's different people that you just go, oh, that that person makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether it's in social media or music or or athletics or it's just it's just about the way they perceive the world mm-hmm. which i find very interesting so that was the bit really if i hadn't if i hadn't have left swansea to go to guildford and i hadn't met bruce that day i'd be working in a factory because that's what i did yeah, so, so say a bit about that story, because yeah, I've, um, I've heard it, but it's a really interesting story. Yeah, because basically when I got, because I had a record deal when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, and lots of people watching them, that's the dream, to have a record deal. Mm. What they don't realise is when you get a record deal, that's where it starts, mm. not where it finishes. For sure. But for me, that's where it finished. Right, okay. <laughs> so I got the record deal, it was a major major label deal, and I, I and we were like, this is it. Everyone told us we were going to be the next U2. Um, and then we got dropped off the label because nobody cared. there wasn't enough momentum we didn't sell any records so we just got dropped at which point it was just for me it was just another failure Done GCSEs failed did GCSEs again failed I went to college to do a BTEC in performing arts the band started doing well left that failed that did the band then the band got dropped failed that so at which point I was thinking whatever so I'll just go and work and it was a friend of mine who worked in a shampoo factory who just said look I can get you a job because that was all I, I didn't really know what to do. He was mm-hmm. like, look, you just need money, you need to get a job. So I went to work in a shampoo factory and my job was literally polishing, <laughs> polishing shampoo bottles. So there was a dude one end of this conveyor belt who'd pick up shampoo bottles and put it on his conveyor belt and they'd go down and another guy on the other end who'd take them off the conveyor belt and put them in a box. And there was four of us, four people, whose mm-hmm. jobs were just polishing these bottles and putting them down and they'd pick up another one and polish them and put it down. And then I, I remember turning to like the line manager and being like, I think this would be a lot easier, quicker and easier if I, if I just pick it up, polish it and put it in the box. Mm-hmm. And he just went, your job is not to think, your job is to polish shampoo bottles. <laughs> so I lasted about three hours. Literally just that. That was it, three that was hours. It, yeah. And the whole time I was like, this is horrible. Mm. And I was looking around and everyone who was, really, everyone who was there was 10 to 20 years older than me, if not 30 years older than mm-hmm. me. And I could see that they'd all been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And a mate of mine had been there for seven years. And at which point I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to be a bass player. That's what I'm going to mm-hmm. do. And that's why I hate it when people talk down about any gig at all. Open mic through to, to functions gig. For me, a gig is a gig. If you mm. don't have a gig, you should have a gig. If mm. that's what you want to be. If you want to be a musician, and if it's Wembley Stadium, brilliant. But if it's not, then do whatever's on the table and if it's not paid do the gig mm-hmm. because it'll lead to other things mm. and you know it's nice when people are come from privileged backgrounds and they don't have to think about that but when your options are do the gig or go back to the factory you take the gig mm. every single time and for now sure. 20 years later I'm still massively thankful for any gig so that three hours you'd say gave you the motivation you still have now 100%. because that's the glimpse of what the alternative is yeah. for, you, for yourself and the scary thing is is the friend of mine who got me the gig in the factory is still in the factory he's still there now 20 years later wow doing the same job yeah. well I don't know what he does now I don't really keep in touch I just know he still works there yeah 20 years in a factory it's mad isn't it yeah sorry. so what would you say what would you what would you say if I'm trying to work out then with what you're doing now what the next thing is for you in terms of motivation? Do you think that would be your motivation forever? Like, what's what's kind of next for you in terms of where you want to be heading and where where you're not quite there yet? Because in, in my eyes and everybody else that follows you, you're doing so much stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm like, how can you squeeze any more things in? But I'm sure from your point of view, you're like, okay, this isn't good enough. Oh, this yeah. needs to be next level. I what's, haven't even started. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is like, I feel like every single time we get to a new like milestone, I'm yeah. like, this will trigger this, which will yeah. trigger this, which will... And know. that's going to be endless, realistically. Yeah. It yeah, is going to be endless. Absolutely. And the, the one thing I regret is not doing what I did when I, because I left BIM in 2010, mm-hmm. could have been doing this for eight years. Mm-hmm. I would have had hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube mm-hmm. and it would have all taken off. As it was, it was only a year and a half ago that I thought this will be a good idea so I started it but you know we do live in a numbers society people you know people do look at numbers Mm. and and you get all these YouTubers that go it doesn't matter about numbers well it does Mm -hmm. you know I watched literally I watched a Casey Neistat thing yesterday and the models nowadays need to have 30,000 Instagram followers otherwise they don't get gigs so it's like it's not just about being pretty you've also got to have influence over yeah the world's about numbers now it is it just is about numbers Mm. and so therefore what I want to do is I want to put myself in a position where I'm in control mm-hmm. you know, my whole life is about me being in control so mm-hmm. therefore I can look after the people who are around me and look after mm-hmm. my what's that, what's that phrase like selfishness is the way to be selfless or something like that sounds about right something like, I like that it. it's not quite right but it, <laughs> that seems like what you're, what you're talking yeah. about because I think so many people try and give I, I started a band that was the intention was we were all going to be putting stuff in the part and, and not just financially like ideas creativity effort just in general motivation um, and the idea was that we were all going to go somewhere with it and it was going to be great and we'd all feel that same kind of we did this together and, and it's so rare for that to happen yeah. and actually me wanting to give them an experience of like travelling touring the world doing whatever um, that didn't work out it, I would have been better starting a band yeah. that was my band that they were in and I think we would have been at a completely different level to where yeah. we were. And I think, you know, how do you find that with, with life well, I in think general? I'm cr- like ridiculously competitive. Mm-hmm. I really want to help people, but at the same point, nothing is going to stand in my way. Yeah. Nobody and nothing. So is this almost sort of like innocent kind of, um, uh, what was the word we were just, selfishness to it? Yeah. It's not malicious so. in any way. It's no, just... I want to I make sure that I can do the right thing. But yeah. at the same point, if someone's in my way, they have to move. <laughs> and so, you know, and that's when loyalty is fantastic. Like in a band, when a band's not working and someone's loyal to the to the drummer, mm-hmm. you think, but the drummer's not being loyal to you. Mm. Because if the drummer isn't pulling their weight and they aren't doing the things that you need them to do in that band, mm-hmm. then where's the loyalty for them? For sure. And, and you can always get to the end of your career and blame someone else. Mm. But it's still your career. So if you get to the end and say, yeah, but it wasn't my fault because this other person, well, it's your fault. Because you didn't do something about it. And Mm -hmm. it's really harsh. It's a harsh life lesson. But my goal is, you know, in my own way to take over the world. Mm -hmm. You know, like lots of people. I want want to have, um, you know, a business that I'm really, really proud of that I can grow. I want to be able to smash the social media thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at this as a... 20 to 30 year build I'm not mm-hmm. looking at this as 6 months to a year I'm mm-hmm. thinking if I can write 4 books over the next 3 or 4 years carry on working on the social media but if I get to 100,000 followers on YouTube subscribers on YouTube what am I going to be thinking? A million yeah, if I get yeah to you just million, keep going yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Be thinking 5 million it just yeah, keeps growing and growing for, sure. but, you know, for me it's just I really think people need to think about the long term and not the next 5 or 6 months because it, you know if you're going to be working till you're 70, mm-hmm. then I've got 30 plus years. Yeah. And you've got to enjoy that journey as well. Yeah. People forget that, right? Yeah. People forget that the journey's been... Yeah. I mean, that's the there. one thing as well is, as much as I love working, I think that's the bit people miss. Mm. Is I, it's the thing I'm most afraid of, actually, right. is hitting a point where it kind of feels like it's plateaued in right. some kind of way. It, like, if, if I ever get to that point where I've got not got the next thing to do, I that's promise a fear you, though, as a creative, that will not happen. You mm. might... Oh, I fully agree, You yeah. might get to the point where you don't want to do 
playing keyboards and piano mm-hmm. anymore, but there will be something as creative. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing. I think if as long as you can keep your mind in that set of like, there is always something to do. When people say, I've got nothing to do today, I'm just like, there's so much you can do Absolutely, today. Yeah. And I think that's a super scary point for me. I, I don't think I'll ever be in that point, but if I was, that I'd be like scared for myself. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, I've said this loads of times, but I've been following you for so long because mm. you're like, you know, you should have, as far as I'm concerned, you should be up there with my massive YouTubers. I used to watch your YouTube channel every single day and I used to absolutely love it. I appreciate and it. And the bit where you'd always finish and go, never stop creating. And I was yeah. just like, that's the bit. And yeah. like, the, 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 the bit they used to do was like, everything about your YouTube channel worked for me because I was like, how hard you worked as a musician was why you had more gigs than anybody I know. Mm-hmm. You know, why you, you, you know, when you were doing your, creating the vlogs, the amount of work that went into it. Yeah, I was looking and thinking, this guy, man, I used to tell people, I was like, this guy, like, he's going to blow up because, like, look at the work. People can't do this. Like, this mm. is not a normal thing that you were doing. It's so mm. hard. Mm. But then following your journey from, you know, being a musician and doing vlogs and, like, to this. Yeah. And, and coming to fruition, you know, like, I remember when you said nuts, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, now I'm in it and I'm like, this is so cool. It's but I nuts, remember watching the video when yeah. you bought it and I was like, it's going to take some work yeah for sure and I, and I think most of my family were like what is he <laughs> doing and now we're sat here yeah. on, on the beach in Brighton and this is know. like a, this you know when we talk about freedom this is freedom for sure and I think the thing for me was you know I was doing those vlogs every day did them for a year 4am every night and then you're up at like 8am starting your next day and it was like that it was looking back I'm like how did I do it because I like to get back into that zone now I think certain, certain things have changed in my life that I don't think I could go back to that at this stage yeah. I, I'd like to at some point but um, that's why we're starting the vlogs again on three days a week and I think for me it was um, it's definitely not over I had the break I, where I came and built this thing now we're back on it I've got Declan as video guy that's, that's with me now so we're definitely back on the vlogs we're definitely back on the content creating and it's tweak, tweaking it because we always talked about like you know it's really frustrating not having the subscribers and for me it was always about the quality so I never mm. was sat there being like damn why don't I have the followers like it, w- it was it was like I was I was sat there thinking how can I get like why aren't I getting the subscribers it wasn't like I need these and I think uh, for so many people it's kind of like that's their goal is yeah. they just want all the subscribers it's not like how are you going to actually get those yeah. subscribers which are then fans or followers or whatever exactly and that's you know something that's yet still now I don't know it's part of the journey even when we like look at it and go I like I see the, some of the videos you were doing and I'm like why have you not got a hundred thousand subscribers I never got it mm. but taking all that aside all of the things that have still come from you doing those vlogs. Like all, yeah, oh, fully. All that's, why I'm, that's why we're sat here yeah, right now. Because every single time I, I said, oh, you live in Leeds, or you... I was like, do you know George? And everyone would be like, yeah, I know George, yeah. Like, everybody <laughs> knew who you were, yeah, even though, you know, it, it wasn't like, I'm sure if you went to New York, it wouldn't mm. be the same, but mm. it brings on so many things to be mm. out there. You're just constantly pushing yourself out there. And it's the same as a gig. You know, if you go out and do a covers gig four times a week, mm-hmm. three years later, four nights a week, everyone knows who you are. They might mm. not have all seen you play, they might not have gigged with you, but they know. Yeah, and that's the thing, making the name, right? Absolutely. That's the thing. So final question then, we'll round this up. Okay. You've got one way that you can change the world. Oh, cool. What would be be your thing? Uh, For better, for worse, open-ended question. I could change, if I could do one thing that could change anything. One thing that could change anything in the world. Is it like a superpower? It could be whatever you like. Um, if If I could implant some kind of realization of of how amazing 
we are. Mm-hmm. Not we are, but like we are. <laughs> and how, how many choices that we have. Because my day is constantly people telling me why they can't do something. Mm. And all I'm thinking the whole time is, I wish you knew. I wish I could just take this out and go, mm-hmm. look at the belief. Look at what you're doing. Look mm-hmm. at how good it is. Mm-hmm. And if everyone just had that belief, then apart from the world being a better place, it would, from a creative point of view, from from a from a mental health and from a from a success point of view, be such a better place. Mm. Because every single day, without fail, I'll get 30, 40, 50 messages from people that when I bring it up, I'm like, there's some great stuff happening. Mm. They just don't believe in themselves yeah, yeah. and therefore they don't know how to take it to the next level. And getting to the next level is actually not that, that hard. <laughs> the belief in yourself to actually get your stuff out there and work hard, it will happen. Mm. So that would be my thing. It's an easy tweak, yeah. but it feels very hard for a lot yeah, of people. really hard. No. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming Dude, to chat. I love, I, I've been so excited about this. All the best with the book. Thanks. I'll keep plugging it Great. as much as I can. Thank now I've got much. a copy, I can just leave it propped <laughs> yeah, up absolutely. in places around. But no, thank you so much. Love and, um, it. Love to you back. and all the best for everything in the future. And I, I'll be coming up soon, so I'll be We'll see you again. Soon. We'll update this in a year. This is me on the road. The best podcast you'll know.